here's your host of Shaping Success, Wes Tankersley. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Shaping Success. My name is Wes Tankersley. Today, we have an awesome guest, Sarah Bradford. Sarah is an author who has written a few children books. She's an advocate for autism awareness and a mother of three. Sarah, thank you for hanging out with us today. Now, I, I call you Sarah because that's the way you were introduced to me, but you also go by SJ. So which do you yes. prefer? <laughs> um, Either one, really. <laughs> One's not your in trouble name, like Wesley, when they call me Wesley, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, I made SJ. Well, as Sarah Jean is, is where that comes from. So if you want to call me Sarah Jean, but then it's like I'm in trouble, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So SJ is kind of your, what do they call that? I can't remember now. Now it's lost on me, but that's what you write under, right? Your pen name. Yeah, my pen name. Exactly. SJ Childs is my pen name. Um, I have seven children's books about special needs. And yeah, then I, I just took that and ran with it and started the SJ Childs show. And I host that. And we, yeah, it's really been exciting. We're about uh, 41 episodes in and it's educating and bringing value to families who listen, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I actually got a chance to be a guest on the show and we talk a lot about, we talked a lot about success and things like that. So it's really cool because it's just kind of a segue into the same thing that we're doing. So it was awesome to get a chance to do that. You know, you, you currently reside in Utah, but can you talk to us a little bit about where you grew up and, and you've moved around a little bit and your process to get where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from Reno, Nevada. I grew up there, went to school. I moved back and forth from there in Utah kind of throughout my youth and then um, ended up back here um, in about 2005. I met my husband, and so we're going on 17 years together this year. And yeah, we had a child in 2009 and he was diagnosed with autism when he was 16 months old. So we kind of started learning about uh, autism and that's what got me started basically on wanting to educate and be an author. Um, yeah. So here I am today. I kind of wrapped that up pretty quick. <laughs> Well, it's a great story because I think that you, you have three children, correct? Yeah, I have a stepdaughter that's 21. So I've been raising her for 15 years. So I've raised an adult already and, uh, <laughs> you know, made all the mistakes and <laughs> learned all the, the ways to do it wrong. And, you know, now I'm doing it right the second time around, third time around. <laughs> so <laughs> no, bless her heart. She, she's, uh, she's wonderful and we have a great relationship. So I think that that's, that's what you really want from right. your kids that you want to be friends with them and have a, you know, good relationship and know that they can call and talk to you whenever they need to. And yeah, it's been great. And we have a 11 year old and a nine year old, a son and daughter, and um, they both are on the spectrum in different areas of it. So that's uh, interesting too. And it was about five or six years ago that we also kind of recognized that my husband too is on the autism spectrum. He has Asperger's. So I have the, a family full of autism and um, it gives me a really unique perspective to show the world. Can you talk about, was it difficult when you found out, I mean, did you have to change the way that you were thinking about raising the children and what you had to do and all the yeah. different things you had to do? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, you know, 
it was devastating when we first found out. When I first found out, my husband has a sister with Down syndrome. She passed away. Um, but sh- so he had experience with special needs and he had uh, worked in group homes and stuff. And so he had a little bit more understanding. Um, me, on the other hand, you know, I had, of course, knew about about special needs and things, but I didn't have my own experience. So it took a little while for me to go through a grieving process because it was our first biological child together. And of course you have hopes and dreams and expectations that I think all parents, new parents have for their child and for the relationships they're going to build and school and sports and, you know, everything. Um, and so when those things are changed in a sentence, uh, it's something that you really have to get a grasp on. And it took some time. It took some time to let go of the, why did this happen? How did this happen? You know, what caused this? And all of these questions that I was asking and really just focus on how do we move forward? What's best for our family? What looks like the best type of support that we can get? And so I really started to dive deep. Um, I was a medical paralegal previously. And so I really, really researched, you know, what autism was, why the presentations of his behavior were affecting and why the challenges were occurring. And, uh, you know, I I really learned a lot and I learned how to advocate and how to try to help him. He was nonverbal until he was almost four years old. And that's a long time to go without hearing your child speak or say, say, mom, or I love you or any of those things. And we had... I was pregnant at the time that he was diagnosed and that was scary, you know, not okay. Well, is this child going to have autism as well? Like, how will I know? And as soon as she started developing, she was uh, totally different than her brother, like social, very emotionally aware and intelligent and wanted to make relationships right away. You know, couldn't, couldn't stop talking, <laughs> couldn't stop her. And uh, so they were just night and day from one another. It's probably um, because she was a girl, you know, girls have more words than boys. So it's pretty, it's pretty yes. simple that way. <laughs> and what I know now about autism in girls is that they have the unique biology or capability chemicals, if you will, to mask things and to be able to copy those things. They have those abilities that boys um, don't have those uh, neural pads available to them early on that developmental process. And so that is why there's such a big difference. And there's such a huge discrepancy in diagnosis from boys to girls. Um, Now that she's nine, though, and we're seeing how she navigates social situations and impulse control, now we see um, autism in those situations. And we know how to learning, you know, how to help her navigate those and strategize ways to um, overcome those types of challenges. So we're really, yeah, like you said, we really had to change the way we were thinking. Right away with our son, it was, um, there were a lot of words that triggered him into meltdowns, as they're called. And so things like, no, don't stop, negative words kind of being thrown at him, caught him off guard, 
it, it startled him, whatever. And he would just lose all control and just, you know, hit, scream, cry, throw himself down. And so we knew that, well, we felt that it wouldn't be right for us to force him to keep hearing it. Although, yes, you have to hear those things when you're out in the world and you have to be prepared for those things. But as a parent, you don't have to force your child. You don't have to traumatize your child to learn to deal with it or whatever the old adage is, right? So we, you know, changed our language at home. We changed the way we spoke to him. We spoke to him in redirective kind of ways. We started um, new patterned ways of thinking about the process. And I mean, it takes a lot of work. It's you're set in, you know, 30 years of thinking and you have to literally stop in your tracks and start to consider that the ways you're thinking aren't the best for your child, that you have to be flexible. And so it really um, opened up a can of worms, if you will, (laughs) like a whole new mindset for myself. And not only did that help me grow and help me be a better mother to him, but it also helped me be a better wife. It helped me just be a better person, I think, like in the community. And not that I wasn't a good person, but it helped me become a better person. And, you know, it helped me to be more patient because when you have a child that cannot communicate with you directly, you have to learn to be patient. You, You understand what physical um, communication looks like. You understand that the, you know, the touch of a hand or the glance of an eye means I love you rather than the words. And so it's, it's something that's definitely like heart, you know, pulling at your heartstrings (laughs) a lot. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a really beautiful, uh, evolution of, of our family and just of the, the growth and understanding and communication we have with one another. Um, yeah, I think that I'm so lucky to be able to do this, to share it because I think in it, it's an experience that maybe a lot of families don't have, and it's something to give them consideration of and to start thinking, try this. This might help. This might make it more successful for you. So what came first, the books or the podcast? <laughs> the books came first, the books actually. And it's so funny you said that because I, I tied it to autism and then I'm th- sitting here thinking the books had nothing to do with autism at, at the beginning of the books. <laughs> um, the so, but books they do though, right? Do. The books yeah, have different, they do now. different types of so, okay. So you have different books, not just the ones that have to do with like dyslexia and autism and things like that. Right. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, yes and no. So okay. I, the books, the, so it started, I have a physical difference called outer ear microtia, which is, I have these little tiny ears. I'll show everybody here. And they're just really tiny. And my little, my kids, my biological kids were born with them as well. And so growing up, you know, I got bullied and called little ears. And it was when I was like in my thirties that somebody said, Oh, Hey, little ears. Like they saw me and I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Like there's a far too old for this. And so I realized, you know, when we had our kids and it was a concern, you know, our grand, my parents, their grandparents were concerned and didn't want them to 
be bullied and, and feel bad about themselves or anything. And so I wrote a book called um, Anna the Kitten, a book about physical differences. And it's about a cat who that a family of kittens with little ears. And the book is great because it shows that, and as we know in reality, there are no two cats that are the same, right? Right. Like they're so different from one another. And so it was such a great way to display that, you know, being unique and being exactly who you are is exactly where you should be. And you should be proud of that. Um, Hold on to that. Be proud of that. Don't let being different make you feel bad, make it make you feel part of something, you know, because everybody's a different moving part of something. Uh, and so that was kind of where the book started. And it just started as like, you know, I was going to get it printed at Walgreens as like a little, you know, book at home or something. And yeah. but. Um, people saw the value and said, oh, you should do more of these. This is great. And so I really looked at, um, obviously, I have autism. And so I thought, okay, this is a great way to educate for autism. Uh, my husband uh, has dyslexia as well. And so, and now we also know our nine-year-old does also. So dyslexia was a great book to also be able to help kids identify those challenges. Not only that, but help their peers support them because a little bit of knowledge um, turns fear into understanding for kids. And that's all they need. That's all they need. Just a little bit of knowledge that this is what autism may look like. This is what down syndrome, um, is. And this is scientifically why here's a book that shows you what a chromosome is. Right. And that's important for kids. Once kids have that viable understanding of things, they don't look at it with judgment, with fear, with, you know, they, they, are like, okay, I get that. Like then they can be supportive and, and be more apt to stick up for their friends to, right. you know, really support them. So that's how the books got started. And then, um, yeah, I, I, there's one about anxiety because anxiety is something that kids go through and they don't understand. They don't know what is happening in my body. Why is my heart pounding? Why am I sick to my stomach? What are these feelings I'm having? Well, it's called anxiety. And these are the, these are the reasons that it might be occurring. This is how you can ask for help. And here's some strategies to help calm down breathing strategies, you know, yoga and meditation, or even just counting down from 10 to one, just slowing yourself down, easy things for kids to do. And it's just so important to teach them at an early age to be able to deal with these feelings um, so that they can be better communicators, right? So are the books made for the child to read themselves or are they made for parents to read to them? What what was your idea behind that? I, I As you're talking about this, I'm sitting here thinking about my seven-year-old and I'm like, man, there are so many good nuggets in here. I need to get the books and I need to make sure you gotta get them. she reads them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they are. In fact, they are for kids. They are absolutely for kids. They're bright. They're colorful. They are full of, um, you know, the words are big print. And so they're easy for kids to read. They're rhyming which is also great for kids in word patterns and memory recognition is that rhyming system. And so, and they really show that importance of the differences and how to just be proud of themselves. And so, yeah, this is the one, the Anna the Kitten book. And like you said, it is great for kids, but it's also great for the families 
for the teachers to read or to have in their classrooms for kids, the classrooms, this, I wish that, you know, I could just transport a collection of books into every classroom everywhere because that's where they will make the most difference. When I donated a collection of books to my second graders charter school, the, the words that they had to say were amazing. The, they were fighting over the books every day. There wasn't enough (laughs) books to go around the classroom. They just, they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to know, you know, the books were about my daughter, Anna. She was in the class. They were excited that she was this little, like, you know, superstar, you know, kind of in her, in her class that had books written about her. And, um, yeah, it, it turned out to be such a, a unique experience and obviously opened up just a world of opportunities for me. So, well, and I think that's the hardest part is educating kids on that because as a former teacher, you know, I, I taught the special ed PE classes in my school for both kids that are emotionally disturbed and the kids who had the, um, the mental disabilities as well. And it's just amazing to see how many people don't understand that. And you've given them a great way to figure that out and, and to look through that and understand that some people are different. And I just don't understand why people don't see it anymore. But like you said, everyone's different. It's not just no two cats are alike. No person is alike. Everyone is no different. Person. And yeah. what looks a little bit out of the norm, like it's unfortunate that people had to make fun of your ears, but that's, that's the thing. They see one little thing that's just a little bit different than everything else and they just yeah. camp on it. And I th- <laughs> it's this courageous thing, right? Yeah. And it's the one thing that I've noticed, you know, like as teaching those kids, no matter what their disability is, want to be with everyone else. They want to do everything yeah. that everyone else does and whether they can do it good or not, they still want to do it. So I think that yeah. that's, that's a hard part is including them because a lot of people think, oh, well, they just can't do it. And they don't understand how to modify that and make it work for them. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that, you know, I'm trying to do as an advocate is really show that autism is, is a different way of thinking. It's not a, a, a behavioral problem. It's a different way of thinking. And, um, it's an evolutionary way of thinking in my home. I, the people with autism are so intelligent. They're bright, unique, you know, artistic. And, and I pro- shared with you probably, you know, my son, although he was nonverbal until four, he was reading at one, he was writing at two. And from two to four, we wrote back and forth to one another for communication. And at three, we realized that he had a photographic memory. And then I really started on the path of educating him and um, uh, in a better lack of terms, just exploited his little brain and (laughs) (laughs) filled it with tons of information. And, you know, it really got him started on the path of self-educating and really um, his love of learning and his love of academics. And what parent doesn't want their child to have a love of academics, right? (laughs) And so um, I fueled it definitely. And by the age of five, he was doing algebra. He spoke about five languages. Um, Yeah, he was, he had done like 
preschool to eighth grade in English and, um, you know, was coming up on his math and everything and science and a little bit of history and social studies, but he wasn't as interested in that stuff as he was numbers and words. Um, yeah, so it was so interesting. And like I said, when he was three, he started recreating things that he would see in the world, whether it was like 7-Eleven or uh, (laughs) Ross Dress for Less. I remember him writing one time. Or he would come home and he would and he would write on the walls. He would take crayons or pencils and he would write all over our walls. And most people would be fanatic about that. They by my you know my family hated. They were like, no, no, don't let him. (laughs) My husband does remodeling. It's like the simplest thing ever to paint over a wall for him. So it's it was his way of being able to communicate it. We were not going to shut that down in any way, right? So we just let it happen. There's still one wall that hasn't been touched because it has so many precious little things on it. It has a seating chart of his preschool where it has (laughs) all of the kids that were in the preschool and their little seating chart on this table. And it's just so incredible to watch him. And now he's 11 and he is, I mean, I just call him the mathematician quantum physics professor. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, and, and he's up to, think he said 109 languages um and it's not that he you know can speak fluently he can't even speak english fluently in like a regular (laughs) conversation he he's still trying to learn social conversations and communication but what he can do is identify the language he could if it's like written in greek he could say this is greek if it's if it's spoken in russian he can say they're speaking russian you know it's it's so it's a different way of understanding the languages. So it's really, um, yeah, there's a lot of of kind of like wiggle room with that memorizing or knowing things because he, he knows things we couldn't ever possibly imagine knowing like, um, 16 million. I can't even remember the number. It's like over 16 million, six digit color codes. And there was one time in his life when he was studying color codes because there's these little swatches that are digital and you can move them around, you know, on all the color palettes. And it gives you the six digit code. It's like FA066 or whatever is light yellow. (laughs) And then um, on and on and on. Well, he asked me one time if I could print out over 16 million color codes for him. I told him, of course, there's just no way my printer would blow up. You know, the computer would blow up too. So yeah, you have to keep those in your head, buddy. But um, yeah, the amount of, we did take him to get his IQ tested once. And during that, he, um, they didn't give us an actual IQ number, but they did test his working memory. And he is, he uses 99% of his working memory. Holy smokes. Yeah. So it's well, been an interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, so you have so you have three kids. You have yeah. books you write. You're taking care of the autistic kids, which is a lot more work than normal. Although it sounds like you got a pretty good handle on it now once you figured out <laughs> how to make I it know, work. Right? Yeah. Um, so then you have a podcast. Let's just take a quick minute to talk about the podcast and, and tell us why you decided to do a podcast. What's what's that about? Yeah, you know, I was uh, guesting on so many other shows. I had done like maybe 40, 30 or 40 shows prior to starting my own podcast. And people just started suggesting, hey, you're so great at this. You should try your own show. And I had never even thought about it or considered it. In fact, 
um, it's funny because I was doing these shows and it was fine, but like think thinking of me like recording myself, it was that <laughs> you know I was terrified, terrified. So it took a little courage, you know, a little motivation. But um, my husband just really invested in me and said, "I think this is a fantastic idea." Bought me great equipment and all of this amazing. A setup that he does for me. And yeah, I just <sighs> jumped right in. And I think I've done about 60 interviews on my own show. And like I said, I have 42 um, episodes that are aired and released on YouTube and plat- uh, all the podcast platforms. And basically, we wanted, I wanted our show, um, obviously, to, we wanted to celebrate autism, but I didn't want it to only be about autism because I really, really like to network and I love to meet new people and to talk about a lot of different things and success. And so I really wanted it to be about bringing education, um, bringing value to families through education and resources. And so that's kind of what my show's motto is, is that I, I just uh, really love to educate people and and bring people together. I think that that's just so much fun is to find resources for people. I I find it easy to find them. And so uh, what better way to share that than to be able to bring it to people who need them? Well, it's a great show. Like I said, I got a chance Thank to be a you. guest on it. And we had that yes. conversation, which was, which was a great conversation as well. So I, where can people, what's the best way to find the show, the books, everything? Where is there one spot that they can go to go find you and Absolutely. check out your show? Yep, sgchilds.org. You can go and find us there and you can buy books online. You can, if you do buy books on our website, there is a a collection with a coupon code. So you can't get that on Amazon. So if you want to get that, go to the website. Um, But the books are available, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all of the online bookstores. And um, the show is on, like I said, on YouTube. It's also on the website. You can go to the audio portion or the YouTube portion to watch the videos and see me and Wes do another interview. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a great story. I really... You know, I'm really thankful that someone like you is bringing this, you know, to other people to say, and I definitely need to invest in those books. My daughter is really big in reading right now, and it's very helpful to to notice, you know, they notice the differences, but to understand what those are. Yeah. So, well, before well, we go- signed copies. Let me know. Oh, yeah, for sure. I will let you know. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you an email, and then you can just, you Great. can ship them to me, and I'll pay you for them. So- I love it. Love yeah, it. Yeah. That'll be autographed. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. So, hey- before we go, you know, we have one last question that we ask every single every single guest on the show, and that is how you define success. The show is called Shaping Success, and that's different for every single person. And so I just want to know, how do you shape your success? Uh, mindset. I would say really staying on a positive mindset. I really believe in um, just being positive and having kind of a good outlook and I think that that's how my success has been formed is just, yeah, staying as positive and really always thinking about what can I do next? What best thing can I do next? Well, I love it because it's it definitely radiates off you. You seem like a very positive person. I have enjoyed the two conversations that we've had and look forward to more in the future. So thank you for taking the time to be Thanks, here. Matt. Thank yeah. you so much. No problem. Thank you. 
All right, everyone. Well, that is the end of the show. If you would like to have your own show just like this one, or if you would like to have some sponsorship or run some ads on a network that has over 100,000 followers, please DM me, Wes at Wes at Wes dot <laughs> at Wes dot com. You can check out what's scrolling on the bottom of the episode there. Uh, reach out tvpbn.com. It has all those places where you can find the show. Until next time, I challenge you to find the shape of your success. 